0: Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions
1: of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit Acquire'sFunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. We're live. I think we're live. Do you guys want to have a quick look at the...
0: Dang, dude. That was good timing. Good timing, sir.
1: Everything has tried to die this morning. Um, With any luck, we're live. It's 10.30 a.m. on the the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast. I think it's six thirty UTC, and it might be six thirty AM, Australia Eastern Standard Time. So,
0: I do think we're live. I think it's official.
1: All right, uh, your beauty. Yeah. So, just for everybody at home, my complete setup just died. This is on my laptop. I've got no idea if the laptop's up to it. We're gonna find out. How
2: are you,
0: gents? We all hope. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's not. What, it's not. What year are you in now, Toby? <laughs>
1: Some
0: wacky stuff going on here. All right. Well, let's get it started because this is value after hours and it may crash at any moment. So uh, I'm Bill Brewster. I'm here with your co hosts, Toby Carlisle and Jake Taylor. Jake, what are you going to be talking about today?
2: I'm going to get giving our Thanksgiving in the US this week. Uh, I'm doing on being a thankful investor, is what I've titled this segment.
0: That's some loser stuff. Toby, what are you going to yeah. talk about
2: this <laughs> week? Look at this dude. This dude gets his own
1: podcast, and all of a sudden, it's just.
2: I know, right? Jesus. Too big.
1: You've that got is Beyonce, so not but true.
0: You've but got <laughs> that's fair. Anyway, what are you talking about?
1: Ah, well, the thing that's on my, foremost on my mind is the complete collapse of my entire podcast setup here. So, uh, uh, small value's been ripping. I've been doing some writing. Um, Oh, well, I'm going to talk about
2: all of that. I, need to I get think we're going to let
0: you too. go last so that you can get your head all back to... in the game. Get my head back in uh, yeah. the game. I'm going to talk about horse betting.
2: Yes. So, Good.
0: right after this.
2: Bill's bringing the veggies this week. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Actually, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Michael Mabison? Maboson? Mavison? What? I don't know. Whatever. I'm yes. sorry.
1: Mobison, Mobison, From the horse's mouth. He tells me Mobison.
0: This guy, legend, replies to a tweet me, loser, has on Twitter. And I have the nerve to not read it right away. So, you know, how life gets. I, I don't read it. Somebody pops into my feed liking it, and I was like, oh, that looks like a good article. And then I was like, oh, that was a response to a tweet that I had. And then I thought, you're an idiot to not read this. So I clicked it open, and it's it's a great article. Uh, I'll retweet it, or we can put it in the show notes, about how basically— you got to it's it all goes to Charlie Munger's paramutual system and, and viewing stocks like horses. And the, the quote that really stuck out to me was it's not the sucker money isn't the bet that loses necessarily. It's the bet that picks the horse with the worst odds. So, you know, we're, we're sort of. I think it's not a stretch to say that at least the narrative is that, you know, it's the horse that matters, right? It's, Oh, the hyper growth and this and that. And it's like, okay, uh, I get it, but you know, the odds offered used to matter. And you know, the, the favorite still wins the race sometimes, right? The people still get paid out when the favorite wins the race, the point, Oh my goodness, Toby, you're, you're like going zoomed at in on me. Us. Sorry. Yeah.
1: It's not live. It's it's not coming out live. Don't worry.
0: You're ruining my thought. Anyway, uh, so the the favorite can get you paid, but the point is, over enough series of bets, if you're laying bets against unfavorable odds, then you you are not the house. You're the player, and, you know, I, I was thinking about it in um, in the shower where I do all my good thinking, and I thought uh, <clears throat> you know, like. People bring up Disca, Discovery, because I have pitched Curate. And actually, Andrew Walker wrote, you know, is Disca the next Curate? And there is, media is something I know a little about. Um, I don't particularly like Discovery's uh, position. But if you're going to play this game, that's not really the right question to ask, I don't think. It it can be, right? Because in a a horse race, a three-legged horse is never going to win, no matter how good the odds are. But there's some cutoff where a horse can win the race. And once that cutoff starts, probabilistically, I think you need to start assigning odds to, you know, what your expected value is. Right. And um, there's probably a price that makes sense for, you know, Disca, as opposed to, say, I don't know, Netflix. Right. Netflix is the horse that's the favorite. Are the odds offered worth it? I, I don't know. But I think. Those are the conversations that you got to be having, and I think that maybe the market's rewarded people that either aren't having it or having a much smarter conversation. I don't know, but the fact is um, I view a multiple as an implied expectation and or perception of certainty about the future. And I think human behavior is such that as a thesis gets proved out, uh, the, op- the optimistic outlook gets priced too high. And that is how things begin to underperform. And that is how other things begin to outperform. And that's just sort of the nature of markets. And I think it's a pretty important thing for people to think about right now.
1: I, all, I agree with all of that. I, I just while you're doing that, you might not have noticed, but we went to my camera applied for a moment. OK. I, mean, I went to a different camera. Were you going I'm, in and well, out
0: while we did it?
1: I think I've got the mic fixed now. Is that? Can anybody confirm that? I think uh, it was coming. I had it set up so it was coming through the. Last
0: Toby, night. gee, we're doing a podcast, man. I, let,
1: let me let me Wait. respond to it. This is this is the way. I one hundred percent agree with all of that. But I, and I, I think that that's it's all a very useful analogy for describing what we're doing. But I sometimes think we overcomplicate these things for ourselves a little bit by trying to you know, and I'm guilty of this more than anybody else. I'm, I'm not. I, I like your analogy. I like Mobison's analogy. I sometimes think that if you just sit down and work out what you think this thing is going to return, and then you can get some comfort around it actually getting there, then it really doesn't matter what everybody else thinks about the market or the particular, and it doesn't matter if it goes against you either, because you've you, you've like you've locked in a certain amount of return for yourself by buying at any given price, assuming that your analysis is right, assuming you're good. Some sort of margin of safety built in.
0: Yeah, sort of, I think you just right.
1: I'm I'm just sort of at that point where you know it's been such a long period of underperformance for Value, and a lot of that has been you, know, you do do the work and see the multiple rerate against you, and it's just it sucks. But ultimately, you know, the you just have to get comfortable with that. Otherwise, you you know the stock market kind of starts wagging. You know, you become the tail on the stock market rather than the other way around. You, you, you got to focus on your own process. You know, you got to, I think it's an Annie Duke line. I think JT might've given it to me a little, a little while ago, but where she's, and it's a, it's like a stoic philosophy idea where all you can focus on is the draw on the arrow. But thanks to Stu McKinnon for this one. You, you, all you can focus on is, you know, your process as you fire the arrow, the target is to be, uh, you know, desired, not, uh, you know, you, you can't force it. All you can do is draw back on the arrow and let it go. And hope that you've done the analysis correctly still too quiet sorry guys
0: you're also breaking up a little but i'm not going to get picky with you yeah. <laughs> jake what's up
2: i mean i i think this is exactly the right way to think about it and every single investment has some odds implied in the price and you can what's amazing is it. You can back into what the expectations are of everyone else based on today's price. And you can get a sense, you know, just just does that make sense to me or not? And and decide whether you want to accept or reject that as a a reasonable proposition. Um, And you don't have to have an opinion on everything. And that's also a nice part of it. Uh, And stay in your spots where the things that you know that type of horse the best and what it's capable of and then you have a better you have a much better chance than of handicapping the odds uh, that are implied in the price and just staying within that little spectrum of the world and the odds that are offered uh you know i think if you do that over a long enough period of time you can do really well it's it's when you get outside of that or when you look for other people or what what let them like you're saying the the tail wagging the dog of well the price has been doing this therefore It must be good, right? Like those are two independent things.
1: To be, to be fair, Um, you you probably, it's hard, right? Because at some stage, you also have to be. I hope my mic is better now. I just, I've been playing around with the settings in the background there. The, the, the hard thing. I can tell you're
0: very flustered.
1: (laughs) This is as flustered as I get, mate. The, the hard thing is you don't want to be too rigid either. Like you, uh, if you, if it really is going against you hard, it's possible that you're, you know, you're the guy sitting at, you're the uh, you're the patsy at the table, and you just haven't figured something out. So that's hard too. You, you, it's you know no man is an island. It's hard to just sit out in the middle of nowhere and and be absolutely certain I am right on this thing and the market is completely wrong. I've done that enough times and I've ridden them all the way to zero. <laughs> so I try not to do that too much anymore. But it's it's hard. It's it there, there's and I think that's why value guys and good investors should spend a lot of time thinking about. The behavioral aspect of what they do and most of it is just making sure you don't you don't do things that you know you shouldn't do already like that's the hard part right the rational part of your brain is probably pretty pretty good the rational brain probably figures out what you should be doing most of the time it's the emotional part of the brain that it, that's the one that gets you in trouble
2: yeah the drunken miller in in 99 <laughs> I knew better already, but I couldn't help myself. He,
1: he couldn't even do it himself. He had to get a couple of young guys and to really blow up the portfolio for him, and they did it. They they achieved it for him. He he got every, and then uh, uh, that's that's such a great line afterwards where they said, "What did you learn?" And he said, "I didn't learn anything. I I knew it already." <laughs> Just totally honest. It's probably why the drugs so great.
0: Yeah, he's that real vision interview that he gave was really good. I like that. Um, I I have. Right now, a uh, sort of a separate problem uh, that involves the same issue, but it's I'm struggling right now with this never sell stuff. Uh, s- some of these names have just ripped, and it's like, okay. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to go at my beloved trans dime here. I-, I get it. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there, and I don't think it's like that controversial. I get that debt is priced lower. I get that the competition is, you know, decimated. I've made all the arguments myself. I really do get it. I think the end markets are a little more uncertain than they were in January, no? Like, we're talking airline miles flown. Like, how do they. Right. Like the like world business travel is just going to bounce back. This is this is the bet. We don't think that it's somewhat impaired. Now, I understand I get pricing power. I get it all. I made the arguments. I'm just saying whoever is buying that equity from me because I sold some of it to you today. <laughs> I was happy to do it. I'm not out, but I had to trim just a little because this is getting a little bit gut churning to me.
2: What do they know that you don't know?
0: Uh, nothing i'll tell you what they i'll tell you what they know (laughs) they know that they need to hit some hurdle rate otherwise they're fucked because they don't have enough and i happen to have the inventory that they want to buy that's what i think
1: could be price trajectory
0: i mean look it's is it possible that it does fine from here yes it is and i like the fact that they give back cash and i think it's a great business and that's why i didn't sell it all but like I had to get rid of some of it because it got gut churning to me. So you know what? Other people think I'm stupid. Fine, think it's-
1: it. just it's just so hard, right? Because here you are, like you're a month out from the end of the year, and yep. so anything you're selling now is short term, right? It's all going to be short term, no. and it's all going to be in the next year. So it's like there was a great tweet, and I wish I could remember who said it, but it was like, do I sell? Do I sell now and capture the short term gains and pay tax, or do I sell next year and get the long term losses? <laughs>
0: yeah right do i wait and
2: get long-term losses (laughs) i've already played a tax game
0: with wells and i'm just getting in my face right now so i think that i should just do things for economic reasons from here on out and not play this silly tax game
2: i mean how many people are waiting to sell in january
0: Uh,
1: it's you know it's rational it's like it's not even six weeks away you just how bad can it get in six weeks
0: It can get bad. It can get bad in three days.
1: I'm joking. I'm thinking about March this year. That's a funny thing. In March, in February this year, I was talking on this podcast about COVID's going to be with us all year long. We're going to have, you know, every time we try and reopen. On sorry, it wasn't in relation to that. What I was saying was, every time we report, we're going to be reporting the prior quarter, and the Mm -hmm. results are going to be really bad. And that's been true all year long. It just hasn't mattered. Here we are, Dow thirty thousand. We finally made it. It mattered in March.
2: For like a week it mattered (laughs) well look i this
0: is the part of the argument that i do get if you take liquidity off the table right if you take that risk off the table and allow these companies to issue debt then you know year one and year two really don't matter all that much in your dcf like I, i do get that um i just think people are maybe taking that thought a little too far
2: what's the difference between liquidity and solvency
0: well, I think you have a solvency problem when you run out of liquidity. I don't really know. Well, I mean, what is it? You tell me. I I don't know the terms that you're asking. Solvency the, the is difference. the
1: ability to pay your debts as and when they fall well, due. Hang on, this might be. I might be.
0: Yeah, but you're just gonna roll all that stuff. Come on
1: now. There's two well, ideas, that's right? The there's liquidity. There's, there's whether you.
0: No, that's not liquidity. Liquidity is are you gonna run out of cash? Then there's we'll the not question, be able to you borrow you your...
2: more. That's the
0: dude. Come on now. How long are you gonna make this argument?
2: <laughs> I'm serious like until I'm right one time in a row. <laughs> all right.
0: Well that's fine. But I think it I've... I think it's been shown that like there's just weak. I mean look, I'm not telling you it's not possible that we don't have just some massive dead implosion. I mean that's there is a possibility. I think that there it's pretty clear that there's every single systemic um Everybody in the system has an incentive to not allow that to happen. So, But I it's think always that way. Somewhere else.
1: When is it ever yeah. not that way? We still get stock market crashes. We, I mean, we but, have in the past. We haven't had one for a while.
0: That, was, that was, yeah, a but was a liquidity crisis. That's
2: what I'm saying. It happened 12 years ago. It wasn't like we have to go back to like ancient times. 12 time years ago. To find and look the what last we just did in
0: March. That is ancient history, though, for some people, to be fair. look at what they just did in March I think that at a minimum the government learned and they overshot the other way arguably I think you're fighting last battle I think the next battle is probably what the heck happens from all of this cash that flooded into the system that's the battle I think that's coming I don't know but that's what worries me much more than liquidity
2: I don't think you're wrong I think that's I think there's left and right tail risk
0: yeah just trying to live in the middle, like a turtle.
2: I know. Like how do I? Like everybody else, though,
1: right? That's that's why the that's why the tails get cheap. That's why you you're uh that's why you're sometimes incentivized to to live in the tails, get that barbell strategy going.
0: Tell you what, it might be time to call up Chris Cole and allocate something. Not investment advice. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah. Can I listened to his interview he did with uh what was that in game? I think they're they're doing all these kind of scary. With a yeah, name like Endgame, I'm shocked. I'm oh, shocked that's their
0: perspective. It's, it's hard, it is right? It's a
2: little puckering to listen to those, though. That's. that's some I'll, motivated I'll, reasoning in that
0: stuff, though. Everybody's trying to sell something.
1: Dude, I love reading. I love reading John Hussman because I just think he's so smart, and the argument is so uh, is so well made. I, there's, I can't find the flaw in it, and yet you know it just shows how long. that it doesn't matter the fundamentals just don't matter for a really really long period of time and they might again they probably will probably it'll be like an 18 month period and then like it amazes me so if you check the fear and greed indicator today we're at 87 we're at like extreme greed
0: i know dude somebody bought transdime from me today i don't need to see (laughs) the indicator i sold it to him
1: memories are so short like it's the best thing sorry
0: transdime shareholders i'm one of you i'm just saying i had to sell some of that
1: it's the best thing about uh the uh the human condi- about humanity that we are so quick to just forget pain and just to like charge back in but I don't know i got my memory's just a little bit longer than that i, I don't well, even man, know I if think, you need a memory for this like it's still going on
0: I think the other thing uh that's going on and I'm probably gonna mess this up, but uh Dan McMurtry and I were talking about it uh super Magatu. Like, yeah no doubt um there's, like this, uh, there's just like this asset shortage, right? And if um, if you need to hit a return right now, where are you going to go? And I, I do think that that's some of what's going on right now. I just think that people have this FOMO, YOLO type, and every other four-letter word that they want to throw at it, and they're just buying because I, I think they feel like they have to.
1: With all due respect to Dan, momentum, what's, momentum, what's an, momentum, an asset shortage?
0: I think I think people have.
1: Is that where you print a whole lot of money and now there's more more dollars than there were before relative to the assets?
0: Or you're looking at a return hurdle that you feel you like you have to hit trade. and you haven't saved long enough and now you're taking riskier and riskier behavior to oh, try to hit it's your a, return. It's a pension. It's a pension issue. Yeah.
1: No. Okay. That's is that an, is that is that an, it's an asset shortage because they don't have enough
0: assets. Yeah. Yeah. So they got to go out and do like riskier and riskier behavior to try yeah. to generate the returns. And there's no that's, yield. And I think there's some of that going on. That's why I'm sort of in team melt-up, because it's like, once you get silly, who cares if you're double silly?
2: What inning are we in now, Bill?
0: I think we probably hit the third. What's what All sport right. are we playing? Because uh, well, cricket, not, there's four innings, hockey. and we're some of us,
1: hockey. some of us here third prefer cricket third to baseball. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. It, let's see. In a cricket match, you're probably in like hour sixteen, so you got like five days left. That, that, that's right. The test goes on for, <laughs> for, for
1: five days, but there's only four innings. <laughs> right. Scintillating stuff. You got to love it. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's I about got. the vibe. It's a, it's like watching golf. You know, it's a really nice green field. It's a nice blue sky, red ball, white clothing. You know, I know a lot
0: of people like it. I don't understand that game. Don't you well, play in a circle? What's to understand? I don't know. It is I understand kind of baseball. Ball. It's the same idea. You're just trying to hit the ball with a stick. You catch it with your hands?
1: Well, there's a, there's a wicket cleeper. He has a, he has gloves. Everybody else has <laughs> got to catch it with their hands.
0: A wicket cleeper?
1: Who's w- the wicket, wicket keeper? Creeper? Wicket keeper, sorry.
0: Okay, my bad. Why does he get the gloves?
1: Because he's got to catch more balls. Their, their hands get their hands get uh, pretty like get broken. They they look like gnarled tree trunks after a while. It's tough
0: to catch that many balls.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, the
2: this this Whose topic is it? Whose
1: topic is it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's go, JT. Get some get uh, the veggies out. Where do they
0: stand? Out. Wait, where do they stand? Why are they catching so many balls? Because they're right.
1: They're, so they're, they stand behind the wickets. You know, so the wickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the bowler balls from the other end of the pitch. Same same name, and. Yeah. uh, when the batsman doesn't connect with the ball or if he nicks it, then yeah. you need the wicket keeper there to catch it. Okay. It's like a catcher. The catcher, exactly. So, yeah. Same we just same use same idea. Like,
2: we just use the actual word. But yeah, we <laughs> help you we figure just out describe it. it.
1: But you gotta you gotta realize that all of this stuff is like it comes it's handed down from ancient so that he was the
0: keeper of the wicket.
2: <laughs> oh, he had like he took it home with him on the donkey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, that was some like Royal Families whipping boy. They were like, get back there and catch that wicked whatever. Look, That's it's rough. a
1: very pop. it's it's the most popular game globally, so do remember that this goes out all over the world.
2: More than soccer though?
1: Uh oh, maybe I mean, not. I don't know. I just made football. that up. That's not a true fact.
0: Yeah. I love our global fans. Especially the Australians. Shout out the, to y'all.
1: The Indians the Indians love it. Indians are uh, probably number one team in the world at the moment, so
0: yeah but I you know what I don't think they listen as much as the Australians There's, do That's why we got I, a big go Indian following big shout
1: out to my uh, oh, subcontinental to brethren India.
2: something about the Indian culture like draws them to value I don't know what it is logic it's the-, the, the attraction <laughs> yeah, to logic <laughs> alright now you're just that's confirmation bias
0: <laughs> tell you what's a hot book while we're on the topic of India Shantaram everybody yeah. should read that it's
1: about an Aussie too yeah I've read that that's brutal that sure. you recommending that to up. everybody
0: Yeah, man, that's a great book. You don't think that's a great book?
1: I just think
2: it's like you can live a whole nother lifetime reading that book.
0: People are legit at home. Like, what are these guys talking about? It's melting up. We're getting. The reason is Toby got so flummoxed he didn't bring a topic. So, this is what y'all get. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. All right, let's go, JT. I'll keep thinking. Isn't this our one year anniversary show, too? oh
1: is, is it, it really mistaken? oh sorry team i think this is
0: yeah. episode 52
1: you should be having a chardonnay no i will yeah We got we some sparkling week, water though. instead i don't think it's we I don't think like it's, a week or two i'm having a i'm having a gunfire that's where that's 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 where you put rum in your coffee i'm not really but,
0: go. i'm going sober for the month so
1: you picked the wrong month to do that mate what are you is doing the, uh-uh. you go sober in february because it's the shortest month everybody knows that
0: I like to test myself occasionally. February, and
1: it's right after Christmas and and New Year's and all of that. You want to, or right yeah, after the you've holidays. you already messed
2: up your New Year's resolution. So <laughs> that's you got to start over.
1: <laughs> you feel you feel so bad. You you, you can spend a month atoning. At
2: all right, so it being Thanksgiving in the U.S., uh, I thought it would be fitting for us to go through some of the reasons to be thankful. And I tried to make it more investment related, just because that's. You know what the only topic that we're we're any good at talking about um so without further ado uh the first thing is august 2000 the sec comes out with this ruling called regulation fair disclosure and so reg fd as it's known more colloquially uh really leveled the playing field on information for especially for us smaller investors. Um, and what a tr- what a gift for us now that we get the same information as everyone else for the most part um, and really cleaned up a lot of the kind of, you know, backdoor gossip numbers that would previously existed before that. Um, so that's that's something to be thankful for. Uh, and And really what it is, is it It shifts a lot of the analysis to, or or it shifts a lot of the, um, you know, how you skin this cat to the analytical abilities and the behavioral abilities, as opposed to purely the information flow. When was FD introduced? 2000.
1: 2000. Okay. Was that in response to all of the dot-com pumping? Was that the the reason for that?
2: I don't know what exactly precipitated it, uh, but, you know, it was kind of long overdue, but... What were they doing
1: before? Then they Good just get the analysts in a room and they would talk to the analysts, and so you needed to be connected to to a bank that had an analyst.
2: Right. So they would, you know, whisper numbers about, you know, what what the quarter was going to look like, and tell them before they would tell anyone else, and you know, there was like this this cycle of, <clears throat> you know, you cover this company, but your bank also happens to be the one who gives us money for things. You right. Know, so we have to like treat you right and then you have to treat us right and we have to all we're sort of all in this together and they, that broke up a lot of that coziness
1: you you got to sell our securities so you you're always going to have a buy on your securities for your for your clients even though you know but it still goes on it's you know you get these preposterous price targets and things on on companies because they got they got some inventory they need to shift
2: that is true all right number two uh Things to be thankful for: commission-free trades. I mean, this really. No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Fuck that. If you use nope. it right, it's a tool just like anything else. Nope. Next. <laughs> All right. What's your argument against that? If you use it correctly, and you're not it just over trading. Everybody's over trading.
0: I, I I don't I fundamentally disagree with reducing this friction.
2: No. Okay. Well, I
0: I'll would argue you if you're long term the commission doesn't matter. It's it a it total stuff, it's like
2: not It much. has it has made my life much easier as in managing other people's accounts to not have to worry about commissions and especially on some smaller accounts where I'm like I don't want to incur this friction for smaller posi- repositioning of things. It's it's a godsend. It's great.
0: Well, I'm thankful for the ability to disagree with you and still remain friends. Well,
1: the, the the check that I don't like writing is the one that goes to the IRS at the end of the year, or the one that goes to California. Oof,
0: no doubt.
2: Yeah. I'm not... Listen, I, like anything, these are all tend to be tools that can be used for good or evil, like a scalpel, right? Um, all right, number three, uh, ETFs. I think it's amazing the ability to dial in the exposure and the flavor that you want in an increasingly fragmented rainbow of exposures, uh, and it's like if you are trying to to get a certain whatever it is, it's a country or an industry or a valuation or whatever it is, you can get a basket of things that you could never get before. That would have been such a pain in the ass to put together on your own. I think that is is actually like a really amazing thing for, as a tool for us to use.
1: Yeah, and the tax uh, the ta- the the fact that the you know it makes sense when they're thematic and the They've, they've got to keep on changing the exposures, and you don't get all of that uh, tax
2: return, friction throwing your own account, yeah.
0: through to you. Yeah, that, that that's huge. I'm thankful for value ETFs.
2: <laughs> well, whatever your whatever your poison is, uh, you know, there's a, there's probably an ETF for you. Uh,
0: ETFs are legit; those are good. I'm with you on that. No okay. disagreements sir. Thanks, Charlie. Glad, glad we could reunite uh, you guys again. <laughs> yes, Sorry. so am I. I thought I thought we were gonna derail
2: there. Uh, next one, tool. Uh, these like platforms like Twitter and YouTube. I know this is another problem. You know, thing where it can be for good or for evil, like a tool. But the ability to connect with people and ideas and education and you know, uh, three bozos to get on once an hour and or or one hour a week to go through things like this. Like, just the ability to do that now at at reasonable cost um, is just – it's pretty incredible. It's something to be thankful for.
1: Dude, I couldn't agree more that the – I was thinking this morning, what are the chances that you could put together a network like the one that you have on Twitter? Uh, Like, just in the days before Twitter or Facebook or any of that stuff existed, like, you could move to New York and you could try to tap into that network there, but then you just – you just the, the 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 ability to discover new people who know something at the rate that you can do it on Twitter is just unprecedented I, I think it's it's the best you know you could have a team of analysts on Twitter like there are guys on there who are just absolute killers who I am absolutely certain know what they're talking about you could just about buy without doing any of your own work if you were comfortable that they were comfortable with something I'm not I'm not advocating <laughs> I'm not advocating for that but I'm saying that, that there are guys out there who are you know they're, they're like that if in back in the day like if you had to track this person down and you had this i want to know about semiconductors now i've got to go and find the semiconductor guy and talk to him about semis for yeah, and, good and luck. why is he going to give you the two hours to talk to you like he'd rather just now he can put it in his sub stack you can go and read it you can Shout make up your own mind
0: fool. what's up fool all the time i couldn't oh, yeah. agree more i love twitter
2: uh next up just public markets in general the idea that there are businesses that we can buy that are world-class and, you know, you can get it in a tiny little fraction of it. And, and as a plebe, you know, be able to do this is something that's truly amazing. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to imagine a world where everything was a private company and you couldn't get access to it. And like, then what are you going to do? Right? Like you're grinding it out in a job, I guess, or trying to figure out another way of getting equity in something like it's, what a, what a gift for us.
1: To be fair, the Romans did trade tax farming contracts in the uh, – whatever their marketplace was called. It just escapes me, but I'm pretty sure the hive mind will know. Acropolis? The Acropolis. Is that where they traded them? That could be right. I
2: don't know. Maybe, right? Name, name another like name another area. <laughs> name
1: another area in Rome. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, or, although, didn't they tie them also with uh, – like, a lot of the religious places were also the markets – And that was like one of the advances of Western civilization was that they, because otherwise, like they made it holy. That way there was less violence and uh, cheating and things like that. Kind of cleaned up the market. Anyway. um,
0: Goldman Sachs would have provided a solution.
2: Yeah, exactly. Thanks Uh, to Goldman.
0: I'm thankful to Goldman Sachs. (laughs)
2: I think just the idea that being an investor makes you a more interested person in the, the world and how it works. Sort of that, Robert Habstrom's, uh, what was it called? Sorry. The forum. Forum. Okay.
1: Thank you. Uh, Helge.
2: so so being an investor making you a more an interested person in the world and how trying to figure out how the world works. Uh, I think that that's you know Robert Hadstrom talks about it in the investing as I think the last liberal or art something like that and pretty good book, um, but just that idea that you know you take a much take a much greater interest in what's happening around you when you have economic potential uh, of of doing something about it.
1: I like that one. I think that it's a trap though, right? Because the, if you if you if you're interested in geopolitics or you're interested in you know. You read the Economist. I used to read the Far Eastern Economic Review. That doesn't exist anymore. That that's, that was great. If you wanted to know who the uh, the, the Treasury Secretary of uh, Malaysia was, like I, I I knew that kind of like just totally useless information. But if you want to be a macro guy, like you probably got to know that kind of stuff. As a value guy, uh, you
2: don't want to take an interest in the world. <laughs> it, it, it's <laughs> it's not that
1: I don't want to take an interest. It's just that it's a, it's it's a double edged sword right you got to be a little bit kind of careful you just got to you got to curate the information that you put inside your brain a little bit more than if you're a macro guy. like you got to know everything about everything all the time that's hard exhausting i don't know i know nothing about nothing most of the time and even that's hard
0: yeah i think being an investor has made me a lot more interested in humans than i maybe otherwise would have been human behavior and i think that's pretty cool yeah
1: yeah for sure there's no place that you can get a better window into human psychopathology than the stock market.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the money Revealed that I made has been um, psychological theses more than anything. And I actually think that's a lot of the money that Buffett's made. Not obviously not all, but a lot.
2: The oh. other half is sugar addiction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, always, addiction is human. I always
1: think it's funny when they run. Um, you, know, you run some sort of poll, not, not on Twitter, I'm talking about the ones that are a little bit broader, where you run a poll where you ask people like, what do you think, what, what assets going to outperform over the next 12 months? Is it going to be gold? Is it going to be small cap equities? You know, is it going to be EM equities or something like that? And people answer, I'm like, why, why bother asking? Go and have a look at where this stuff is in the market. That's, what, that's how you know what everybody thinks is going to happen over the next period of time. It's, when, what they tell you and what, where they actually put their money, those are two completely different places.
2: What's the answer, though? What's going to outperform? <laughs> Small value. Uh, next up on the list, we have accounting. And I know that like it gets a bad rap for not keeping up with intangibles. I get it. I've read all those books. I don't disagree. However, just the like as a system for giving the owner and or a potential owner the ability to look under the hood of what's happening inside of a human organization. Accounting is a pretty incredible thing, actually, uh, and you get a tremendous amount of information in a relatively condensed format. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for accounting.
1: Double entry bookkeeping. Who, who said double entry book? So that, that was I think someone like Buffett or Munger has said double entry bookkeeping as being one of was the like great wonders great of the world.
0: Innovation. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, who was it? Stretching a... on things to
2: be thankful for here, your... Venetians <laughs> I think
1: the Venetians said right.
2: that. No, no, I think they invented it, didn't they? Wasn't it uh, somebody in Italy? Anyway, who invented uh, it? Yeah, yeah, Bill. Just hang in there. All right, I I
0: like it. I like this so far. Thankful for accounting. I studied this stuff in college. I have like flashbacks of doing pension calculations. I'm not going to be thankful for that.
1: But it's the crazy thing, right? When you're studying it in college, how hard it is, how hard, how hard it is, how dry it is, and then the first time that you want to understand a business all of a sudden you're reading it like it's a novel because you want to understand what's going on. You're looking at the yeah. changes from year to year. You're looking at what the balance sheet does relation to the cash flow statement and the income statement. All of a sudden, it's a story, right? The first time you learn it in school, it's it's another language and it sucks. But when it, when you need it, when you want to use it for something, all of a sudden it becomes incredibly useful.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is we're not accountants, right? I, I don't mind interpreting accounting. I'm glad I'm not preparing it.
1: I th- I kind of think that the, the very best investors should be forensic accountants. So I just don't know how you could get. You know, I've got a, I have it hasn't come out yet, but I've recorded um, with Steve Clapham, who's behind the Balance Sheet. He's got a new book. Shout out to Steve, uh, called the Smart Money Method, and he talks a bit about. He's got lots of little gems in there about how he goes through uh, the notes and what he looks for in the notes. Like he says, you know, one of the things you want to look at is the revenue recognition. And he said a client of his had like $100 million in one of the positions. And he called them up and he said, what do you think about this revenue recognition statement here? And they said, uh, wait, I'll come back to you. And then they came back and they were like, yeah, we, what, what does it mean? We can't understand it. And he was like, that's, that's a problem, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, right. It doesn't matter. It's going up in price. That's Who it. Cares? How's the
1: stock price? Stock price, bro.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, exemplars in our world, like Warren and Charlie, I mean, just, I know we talk about it a lot, but just the idea that these guys are so generous with the things that they've learned, speaking about it publicly, uh, you know, sharing as their journey of learning has unfolded. I mean, they didn't have to do that, right? Like they could have just quietly just kept raking in the cash for decades. But they've tried to do something more than that, and like, and provide us with, uh, you know, something to aspire toward. So I, I'm very thankful for that.
1: I have said time and again to you guys, and maybe not publicly, but I, I think it's incredible. It's so fortunate that we live in a time and age where the great industrialist of the day, and he's probably the industrialist of you know, probably a hundred years either side. Who knows? But Buffett is the great industrialist of the day, and he's just told everybody what he does. Like, it's not like. Uh, the dark genius of wall street what was his name um, you know the robber barons when when all of this started first kicking off it's not like cornelius vanderbilt none of those sort of guys really told anybody what they did because it was you know why would you let anybody else know how you were how you were making your money but buffett's gone to great pains to explain in detail even still you, you can't do it because it's too hard it's just that he's he's just kind of he's described it so you could like if you had the if you had the chops you could go and do it but it's very very hard
0: I tell you, I mean, just to make it a little bit more, like, uh, tangible, it circles back to the Fintwit discussion. Like, the minds that are on Fintwit that ha- Whoa. that have decided to share their knowledge. I mean, you know, the idea that, like, uh, Mr. Mabison can, like, reply and cares enough to do it, right? Or yesterday I'm asking a question about... Um, like rebalancing a portfolio and my man gromit cap came in and asked me a completely different question that got my mind focused on what actually matters and not some like stupid stuff that I was thinking about. Uh, it's just, you know, I keep going back to it, but this wealth game status game is like the biggest change in my life that when I heard it put that way made the most sense. But I've just found that by, by trying to honestly give people in that community specifically which is where i built most of my network you know by trying to legitimately add value to their life the amount that has been reciprocated has just been you know i, I it's tenfold so what's the anyways, what's the status money shout out game? to the buff dog and mong because i love them <laughs> what's the status game well, status is like when you got to tear somebody else down to feel good, oh, I see. right? Yeah. And wealth is like we're all working together. I see. So
2: yeah, I, zero sum and non-zero sum.
1: That's right. I think that I I'm I'm probably uh, I'm, I know that there are a lot of huge fans of Munger out there. I'm not I'm not I'm, I've sort of I'm a more of a Buffett guy than a Munger guy. To the extent that you can kind of differentiate between the two. Ooh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I've said this to you guys before, but I think that Munger's one of the great hitting coaches of, uh, you know, Buffett is uh, is Tiger Woods and uh, Munger is his hitting coach. And I, and I think it's important because sometimes you get, you know, anybody who's played any sport, you, you get, you know, you go through four stages, right? You've, you, you, when you start doing anything, you're, you're unconsciously incompetent. You, you're bad and you don't even know what you're doing. And then you do it for a little bit and you become consciously incompetent all of a sudden you know how bad you are and then through a lot of like effort you can get yourself to this point where you're consciously competent by, by which I mean like if you concentrate really hard on what you're doing you get it right but any anytime that your mind wavers you 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 blast the ball off into you know when you're playing golf you hit it off the fairway you hit it into the water you shank it you top it something like that you hit you hit it fat and you've just throw a big divot out there and you can't work out what's going on but you get to this point when you're very very good at something where you're unconsciously competent it's like driving a car like the first time you get in a stick you're moving four things at once four limbs at once to get through stuff and you just don't you, you don't know what you're doing and then one day you're driving along you realize you're moving all four things and driving around a corner and you're like holy cow how did i do that but this is the problem when you get unconsciously competent Every now and again something happens and you just forget how to do something and you can't remember because you can't remember how you did it consciously because you've been doing it unconsciously for so long. And that's when you need a hitting coach. And the hitting coach says, You've started doing this bad habit or something like that. And that's how you evolve, and that's why hitting coaches are important, and that's my topic.
0: Whoa. Boom!
1: Bang. Just got it in under the wire. The
0: the I value like yips. It, man. Strong.
2: <laughs> Strong. JT, you got more I got one more. Let's do it. This is I,
0: gonna, real quick, I think one thing that Munger would be good at is like I could see Buffett in '99 or '98 or whatever saying like, "Yo, cokes run too far," and I could see Bu- like I un- I understand I'm setting Munger up to be wrong here, but but fundamentally <laughs> I think this is sort of correct. Like I think Munger was probably really good at saying to him like, "Who cares? Right? right. Like just let it run and focus on the next deal. We've got this huge pile of cash here." And that's what you should focus on. Like, why do you need to be um, like, I, I think Munger has a lot of very, very practical wisdom that is super, super intelligent and maybe help Buffett sort of get to let things go a little bit more than he otherwise would have. Or just to your point, like allowed the the athlete to flourish um, I could totally see that. Focus on I the think quality that's more.
2: A really good insight, actually. Like Buffett, I think if left to his own devices, is a, a maniacal optimizer. And my my data point for that is the, you guys remember the bet that he had with Protege Partners? Yeah. Right. And he here he has some zero coupon bond, right? And it's for a million dollars, which rounds to zero for him. It's nothing. Uh, and he decides like that that bond had run up so much like that he can't even like he has to go talk to to Ted <laughs> yeah. to get out of that bond to move it into something else he can't stand this the fact is bothering that this me. Is suboptimal right <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean that's insanity
0: yeah.
2: right
0: <laughs> it is it's focused on a question that doesn't really matter and I think Munger's very, very good at focusing people on the stuff that actually matters
2: He probably told him. It's 2015 and you're getting a 40% dividend yield on your yeah. on your cost of that Coke every year. Just sit tight, man. There's that's also right.
1: there's also that idea, it's like a I think it's a machine learning idea where you have the local minima where you know it yes. it's and this is something that optimizers get in trouble. This is something that optimizers do they they optimize for the local minima all the time and they just lose sight of the bigger picture that you could be doing something that's suboptimal on a broad on a larger scale and that's where it's also helpful to have your hitting coach or your third party, you're the third party who just knows what they're doing, who looks at it and says, "Yeah, you're wasting your time there. Just forget that thing and move on to the don't don't sell the coke. Just keep on clipping the dividends and reinvesting the dividends. It's too hard to yep. get in and out of that thing. You just you're not going to be able to do it. Then you're going to pay all the tax, and then it's going to run up, and it won't come back down for twenty years. And you're going to be you're going to be wrong for twenty years. So just
0: don't worry about it. Yeah, just like let it go because he, he wouldn't have bought it back. Trans
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's buying back his trans dime from this morning.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no.
2: I find that. Would he have I had an opportunity I mean, I to buy back time. the
1: Coke? If he'd sold it, let's say he sold it optimally, would he have had an opportunity to buy it back?
0: Well, certainly in 2008, but. It um, got cheap enough. Took a while. Yeah, I'm sure. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I suspect left his own devices. He would have probably sold and probably annoys him, but there are bigger problems in the world.
2: All right, last thing I have, and this is going to get a little bit more, more esoteric on the things that, uh, <laughs> but in general, if you're listening to this, I would posit that you've already won the lottery. And my logic behind that are, is a few things. Number one, if you're born in the U.S., which I know we have a lot of worldwide listeners and that's that's great. Like, But if you're born in the U.S., that's already a one in 20 proposition and you have an incredible tailwind at your back if you've been and born in the U.S., Um, if you made more than $1,500 last year, you're in the upper 20th percentile. So you're already, you're a one in five winner. If you made more than 50,000 last year, you're in the firmly in the 1% globally. Uh, now if we think even a little bit, uh, little bit wider, there's probably been roughly 10,000 generations of humans over the last call it 200,000 years that you could, uh, you know, really say that a human look like a human, um, that, so the human experience, if you were to throw your ping pong ball into the genetic lottery would not have been nearly as cushy and easy and simple as you have it right now. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a one in 10,000 proposition. And then if we think even a little less provincially, uh, you know, there's, we share roughly 15, 50% of our DNA with a banana. We have, I think it's 60% with a fruit fly, like 98% with a chimp. So of all the different things that you could have been on a DNA, you know, carbon based basis over the last 13.7 billion years that, that, that biology has existed. Uh, you know, you're pretty lucky to have ended up as what you are. Uh, and so that's you know that's one in trillions probably proposition. So be thankful when you're eating your turkey this on Thursday that uh, that you have the ability to do that.
1: Good thoughts, mate. Sage, wise. Two
0: two things. One, uh, Coke, twelve thirty one two thousand 151000000000 and fifty one billion dollar market cap by two thousand five. That was ninety five point five billion.
1: So it comes a big yeah. Is that a third?
0: Yeah. Second. Coach T, what sources can you reco that are like this pod? Don't you listen to the outro music? Can't nobody do it like we do it. Come on now. I,
1: I got a good question in here. I, I love that. I love that session, JT. That was a good one. I'm glad you did that one today. Um, here's a good question. I, I, uh, Terry Smith likens the current conditions to the long depression. Uh, long... The period of deflation set off by a banking crisis versus set off by a drop in the old sector. Um, th- so I know who Terry Smith is, and by virtue of the fact that I have looked at that uh, Mikhail Samonov 200 years of value, I also know what the Long Depression is, but that's that's the full extent of uh, my contribution to that question. What so year was the Long Depression? I think it finished in
2: 1904. Okay. And we're in 1904 right now?
1: I don't know if he's saying it finishes. I think he's saying that uh, he likens the current market conditions to the long depression, long period of deflation set off by a banking crisis. So I guess that, that would mean that the 2007, 8, 9 is the banking crisis.
2: I don't I know. Have no idea. I, the problem with all of these things are that the data sets are just way, way, way too small to draw inference as to what the next thing is going to be.
1: You just got to be a little bit careful with the analogies, too. I, I mean, I'm guilty of this as, as anybody else. Yeah. The things are alike, but they're not the same. You want to know what it's different. like
0: right now? It's crazy uncertain. Asset prices are crazy high, and there's financial repression everywhere. So I don't know what it's like, but that's where we are. And there's like there's.
1: I saw, I don't know if it was some states, but there are like 25% of the folks there aren't getting enough food. So that's, that's, uh, that's like great depression levels.
0: Meanwhile, there's like a speculative mania going on. It's crazy. So, I don't know. There's some wild stuff happening. What I will tell you is there's some good value out there, though. That's true. Still got still got time to melt up.
2: My mind is still trying to square this number of people not paying their mortgages and rent.
1: That's right. <laughs> because they're trying to find food. They're, they're using it for food. They're using it for frivolities like food. Poor bastards.
2: <laughs> How... I don't know how we get Dow 30,000 and celebrate on the same, in the same breath.
0: Well, you're pricing 18 months forward. Nobody's Whenever pricing everyone's... 18 months forward. Okay. That's right. We're five years now, baby. I think we've, we've been... Pri- We're just terminal value investors.
1: Hit us with the questions, guys. Uh, what advice would you... Here we go. I'll throw it up. What advice would you give to someone trying to break into public equity investing? uh i mean this i assume this is like not just doing it on your own behalf because if this is what i would say i would this is what i did so there's two there's two paths go to columbia get your mba at columbia and then you walk into a really good value hedge fund in new york in manhattan
0: this applies to like no one
1: right but that's i'm saying that first like that if i if i (laughs) had my time again that's what i'd go and do
0: i agree with you yeah
1: and then you know any other like good value program at a name mba that's that's a good path now that's not going to apply to now 90- let's talk about how us yeah.
0: degenerates do it so that doesn't
1: apply value for 99 percent of people closed up didn't they uh, there is some <laughs> there's some it's called vanguard
2: they're for, called family offices now
1: <laughs> for the rest of us this is the approach uh, i think this is a good approach you should be investing in your own account you've got to have your own account making your own decisions you should be writing those decisions down i think you should be doing it on a blog you don't have to do it on under your own name or a Substack do it anonymously if you want to and uh, that does two things one thing it records everything that you do so when you forget why you did something two years later you can go back and look and you can see i've developed a lot since then and i and i remember now why i did that thing and it was right or it was wrong and i should be careful of that in the future or i should do that again in the future the other thing is if you get good at it there's this very large universe of people out there who read this stuff who are always looking for really good ideas and good thinkers and I know lots and lots of people who have gone from free blogs to either running their own funds or analysts in another big fund. So that's certainly a path that works. So that, that would be my advice.
0: Yeah, I just think, I just think you got to look for people. I mean, Twitter's a good place. You know, look for ways to add value to people that you respect. And I think if you add enough value, value will come back to you. I just think that's how the world works. I'm not trying to be like the secret all over again, but I don't think it's that difficult.
2: I don't want to dissuade Helps to know
0: a guy like Toby that'll put you on a podcast when you're a nobody. (laughs) You're wise. You're smart.
2: I don't want to dissuade anybody from and make this seem like, you know, we've pulled up the ladder into the treehouse or something behind us, but I would maybe encourage you to think if there's anything else that you wanted to do in the world that might be more societally beneficial and productive and... Unless you're really, really, really passionate about it, um, you know, if you're just sort of like, if you're just there and you just kind of want to make money, I would say that there are probably things that you could do in the world that are better for everyone, including yourself, probably. But I'll just be the contra on this one.
0: What's this? Somebody, some questioner is asking me, why do I want to do the hard quality for a reasonable price strategy? I don't know. Why do you want to own good stuff at cheap prices? Like, what are you asking? I want to do it because it's smart. Next. <laughs> well, that was the question. <laughs> All right. I can, I mean, I can, I'm I can, trying to be rude. I just don't get it. Like, I, I mean, wh- you, so rather than buying good things at good prices, I should be wanting to buy like the crappiest crap out there. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I gotta, I got to do what I got to do. I'm not trying to – you live your life. I'm not trying to put up the best return ever. I'm trying to get the best return that I know how to realize. And for me – I need a lot of quality in my portfolio to do that. By the way, I sized into Curate. And if you think that that was easy to do, like go do it and then we can talk. How's Curate how's going? It's gone well.
1: How's Zoom? Where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the chart so we can watch the horse race?
0: Curate's up 48% since the bet and Zoom is up 41%. So taking <laughs> the taken the lead.
2: And it's, and it's going in your direction right now.
0: I didn't mean to sound so harsh to that questioner. I'm just saying, I, th- I think it's sort of a silly question.
1: I would say that d- d- deep value is much, much easier to do than quality, reasonable price. It's it's just to find stuff that is you know cheap on the ratios, you know, it hasn't worked for a long time. So there's the problem that you have. But the the harder thing to do is to get the is to do the Buffett style, like can't do a real valuation, make sure it's growing, make sure there's no downside size into them on like some sort of modified kelly that's very very that's like you know you're a scratch golfer if you're doing that stuff so you you just gotta you just gotta know what kind of golfer you are when you go out like do you want to be playing off your handicap i like playing off a handicap I don't play golf, by the way. I just use these analogies. I just because yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah, a lot of
2: golf analogies today. I know. I'm not tiger. a golfer. I don't know
1: why.
0: Dude, I'm sitting here feeling like a dick. He's you got know t- what? I'm, Dude, I'm, It's I'm his hat. Sh- it was. The <laughs> it's the titleist It's the titleist hat. I bet hat. that that questioner voted for one of you two as their favorite personality. Anyway, so you know what? Forget you. <laughs> I think he I voted for you, mate. Fans, but he's going so to change go his vote next time. Not anybody. What? He voted for you, mate. But he's going to vote for me next time. Damn it! That's like a two-vote swing for me. Um. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just sitting over here on tilt because I was all rude to somebody that likes to tune in. S- somebody's no. a, Somebody, no, look, authenticity. Oh, dude, We're here's the thing the about value. I like value the way that you do it, right? Like for me to run a discretionary portfolio in like a lot of those deep value names, I don't want like a bunch of bombs going off around me. And maybe like it's suboptimal it and whatever. Like, But in an ETF structure, that makes more sense to me because it's more mechanized. And I think that, like, I don't, the, I guess that the part about the deep value strategy for me is, in my opinion, that strategy says I am going to take advantage of like the emotional biases of the market, but somehow I am the one that is like so, you know, stoic or whatever that I can exploit those. And I think that a vehicle can exploit those much better than a person can. So if as a person, I'm trying to, exploit some advantage like i just think sitting and waiting for the pitch that i see and then swinging is what makes sense to me
1: so i I think that over the long run deep value does better but i think that like you say it's extremely hard to do it um it's it's emotionally sort of not, not emotionally but um behaviorally difficult to do the other one is sort of more difficult to well it's also behaviorally difficult to do but it's also you really need to know what you're doing to do that stuff. Like you really need to be able to value, and you need to know why you don't buy. Like you need to know why. You, you really need to know why you're doing everything you're doing. There's just so many trapdoors and mines in in. Like companies get cheap. Often they're cheap for a reason, and you got to figure out: is this thing is this thing cheap for a good reason, or is this cheap because everybody's just? And I, what are the chances that you're smarter than the market? You know, you got to actually be like the scratch golfer to be smarter than the market. I think you've got to be better than scratch. Like be a scratch golfer and show up to a pro pro golf day and see how good you are. You're not that good.
0: Or you got to wait a lot, you know? I, I, yeah. don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all, but I, I definitely think you're right to do it consistently. It is really, really, really difficult you
1: need to be a monk so it's always the next your next investment is the one that blows you up like that's the that's the awful thing about this game that you can have a 10-year track record you can be like a 15-year track record doesn't matter how long your track record is it's the next thing you know you do that blows you up
0: yeah that's the thing that sucks right it's like okay great that's one good idea next and, that's and, and, and the other problem trade. is the and next you know, one if you're doing well is going to be your biggest, right? So the next one's right. always the it's one that's biggest. Sink you. That's it. Yeah. No doubt. It's so not when you when you're Buffett putting 40% of your portfolio
1: into a uh, into a financial that was in a in some sort of that had an accusation of fraud against it, you know, you you, you got to know what you're doing when you're doing that. That was that was American Express.
0: That's full time, yeah, I guess. We're gonna Wait, real quick. That's another one that I think he did. Hey, he had a psychological edge on, right? Because he was he. Everybody else was looking at something else, and he was looking at consumer behavior and stuff. And i th- I think that's been a couple of his theses have been like psychological edges. He got and it so right. I There's no question. Sort of picked up from. Him. He got it right. Yeah, like he no figured doubt.
1: out. That he figured out the the driver of the value in that. But the way that he did it was he went and talked to the people who were accepting the cards. So the, he went and talked to the if this restaurant gets worried about a counterparty risk, it's not going to take the card. So he yeah. went in and made sure they were taking the cards. Okay. They're not worried about the counterparty risk. It's going to survive. It's just going to pay a big shitty dividend. That's not going to go to us. It's going to go to the plaintiffs. It's going all to right, get one there. more
0: thing. One more thing. No joke. I'm thankful for you, Toby. Thank you for putting me on the first podcast. Thank you for putting Jake and I on this one. Thank you for having fans that tune in to us. I appreciate it all. So that's a, The only way I want to close it, man. Thanks for having us on your your distribution network and all that. Shout out to you.
1: Thanks, JT, as well. Love your wisdom, as always. Thanks, Bill. It's a a fun podcast. I enjoy doing it every week. Thanks, everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Sorry
0: that I pissed off somebody that bought your book. (laughs)
2: Thanks, everybody. See you next
0: week. (laughs) Shake it up! Stop when the clock hits thirteen. Sing one, two, three, four. Cause, cause, cause.